streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome to another episode of the State of Recruiting, your weekly recruiting podcast from Orange 24-7. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined as always by Nick Harris, and we have got an action-packed show for you this week. Uh, We're going to get around to all the news, hit on some of the new offers and and top school cuts that were made this week. Uh, We've got two great interviews scheduled for today, and of course, we'll get to your mailbag questions. But before we do all that, uh, Nick, how's it going? going pretty good it's probably one of the more busier weeks we've had since the coronavirus shutdown so I'm, I'm excited to get into it i feel like the last two weeks have been super busy um and you know that's the thing is like i i caught myself i told my wife the other day i was like man uh i forget what day it was it was like i had done like three interviews with kids before their top schools dropped and it was just like bang 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 back to back and she's home so she's kind of getting to see this like how how much i'm on the phone and stuff during the day uh, up close, and I told her, you know what, in this day and age of, of people losing their jobs and, uh, <clears throat> you know, all that at, the, at newspapers and stuff, we're blessed to be busy. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm happy with it, man. It gives us something new to talk about. So uh, let's jump right into it. Tech. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, let's jump right into it. Texas made a, uh, a number of, of offers again this week. Um, it seems like they have been, and I actually wrote about this uh, this week, is, uh, you know, as they are uh, have been extremely aggressive on the recruiting trail. I think too many times Texas has been tagged with the didn't offer soon enough, or they've been criticized for that. And, and I think right now they're being super aggressive on the trail. What are your thoughts on that, Nick? Yeah, I agree. It seems like every every time I go on Twitter, which is typically like fifteen to twenty times a day, an unhealthy amount, uh, there's another offer on the timeline, and uh, you know I, I go and watch that kid's film, and you know it's a kid from Florida, or Virginia that I hadn't heard of, and you know they end up being ballers. So there, there's definitely a lot of work going on behind the scenes right now, uh, and I'm excited how involved they get with a, a number of these out of state guys for sure. Yeah, the other thing that's exciting about that too is right is they're they're really targeting some high end athletes, and we're going to get into that. But uh, they offered Jalen Marshall a, a safety from Hollandale, Florida, um, a kid that's it's already six foot three, one ninety. I think probably by the time he's he's in high school, a uh, a linebacker maybe. Uh, Jadon Williams, a, a South Dallas uh, kid from South Oak Cliff, and actually, you know, it was funny. I saw him. Um, the last stop I made before the shutdown was at South Oak Cliff, and I talked to him there, and um, we got acquainted. So uh, he's a kid I really like, uh, a receiver that was converted to linebacker halfway through the season. So he's only played five games at linebacker. But if you look at his film, uh, it jumps off the screen as, as crazy athletic and um, crazy athletic, and, and a guy that can rush the passer. Uh, Nick, did you get a chance to watch Jaden? Uh, yeah, I've had a chance to watch his film, and – you know, I don't know if it's a trend that you've noticed, but a trend I've noticed is receivers turn to linebackers, 
end up being like pretty heavy studs. Uh, my first introduction to that was Paul Dawson, linebacker for TCU's 2014 team, and he was just a monster in that front seven for the Horn Frogs. And since then, every time I hear about a, a wide receiver converting to linebacker, I think of Paul Dawson. And so uh, I, I'm a little biased towards receivers turned linebackers. But uh, watching Jadon Williams' film, he's he's agile, he's athletic. Uh, I think he's a really high target on Texas's board right now as well. Yeah, you know, I think that's an interesting point, um, what you made. And, and, you know, Todd Orlando actually tried to do this a couple of uh, years ago. I think the – like, DeGabriel Floyd was basically a receiver who grew into a linebacker uh, when Texas took him. In those classes, they tried to take a guy like Micaiah Tung, who was a, a kind of a, a tweener wide receiver from Louisiana. They recruited him hard at linebacker. He ended up going to Georgia. But, um, you know, looking at those guys and the way they move, it really makes sense when you're trying to find linebackers who can cover in space uh, in the Big 12 uh, our next, uh, they also offered Terrence Gibbs, who was a really exciting looking running back out of, out of Florida. Um, I, uh, Tad Hudson, a, the first 23 quarterback offer, uh, interesting kid, um, doesn't fit the dual threat mode. Nick, I don't know how much video of his you watch, but I thought he, you know, he, the really interesting thing about him to me was, um, he, he really threw the ball from a bunch of different arm angles and platforms, um, more of a stationary pocket quarterback, but some of his ball placement was, was elite, elite stuff. Yeah. And he moves really well in the pocket. Um, he's already got elite size at six foot three, one ninety five. Uh, he's a kid that can really grow into his frame and, uh, develop his arm talent. And he could be one of the top quarterbacks in the nation for 23. This is definitely a kid we want to keep an eye on moving forward. Yeah, he's certainly already uh, already looking like it. Um, Cyrus Moss, a, a giant linebacker from uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, Bishop Gorman, and at six five, two hundred, really plays and is going to grow into a, a heck of a defensive end. Um, they also offered his teammate uh, uh, Zion Branch, a safety from from Gorman, who plays a really physical and mean game. But two of the offers that really really stuck out to me this week, uh, two in-state offers. The first to Spearman athlete, Brennan Thompson, 2022. And he's a guy that I remember popping up right as we were finalizing rankings uh, for the the initial 2022 top 247. We came across his track times, came across his film, and it was an easy decision to put him right in. Um, since that time, he has picked up absolutely everything under the sun. Uh, at 10-3-2, 100-meter kid, and it jumps off the film. Uh, even, the, even though it's small school ball up in the panhandle, uh, this kid is has electric electric elite speed yeah this kid's a freakish athlete and he can play a multitude of positions uh, for spearman he lined up at quarterback running back receiver uh, a number of positions on defense as well uh, he's he's a guy that can get it done on both sides of the ball and it's, he's going to be a project for whoever will be able to land him in this uh uh, 2022 recruiting class but yeah he's been blowing up with offers this week he's actually my recruit of the week um, he, he's definitely going to be one to keep an eye on and how about Spearman Texas that's great to get a kid like that uh, with this much attention in that small little town it's crazy um, two years in a row we're talking about big name recruits from the Panhandle Groover and Spearman Um, next on the list, a personal favorite of mine, and I think yours as well, but kind of all of ours. I think this kid is, at least among media I know, I'm not sure anybody's ever said a bad word about him. And um, A kid I've been been uh, really, really beating the drum for uh, for a year or two, 
Deuce Harmon from from Denton Geyer finally got his Texas offer. I think Texas has a lot of work to do here. I think that they're way behind. I think that schools like A&M and Oregon are way ahead. But Texas is now in the conversation for another elite speed guy. Uh, a physical corner, even at 5'9", plays the game much bigger. Uh, great ball skills, great technique. There's a lot to love about this kid. Yeah, I think the size was an early concern for most colleges, and I think that may have contributed to Texas's uh, backing off in the beginning. But it, after looking at his playoff run last year, he at least changed my mind. He he had one of the more monstrous defensive playoff runs that I've seen in a while. I saw Denton Geyer twice uh, during their run to the state championship. And, and the game specifically against Cedar Hill, he was just – causing havoc on that left side of the defense for the majority of the game um he, he's a he's a baller and wherever he ends up I, I think he'll he'll do great at the next level yeah great kid too i mean he's a culture fit everything you want in that uh before we move on to to the rest of the uh recruiting week we're gonna pause here and and bring you an interview that bobby burton and i did earlier in the week with patrick suttis who um has been all around in the personnel world he's currently the uh, general manager at georgia tech football uh but used to work as the the director of player personnel under mac brown in his last year at texas uh, has worked at alabama has worked at arizona state uh, so we hope you enjoyed this interview with Patrick Suttis. On the State of Recruiting podcast, we're joined now by uh, one of my favorite guys in the industry, uh, Georgia Tech General Manager of Football, Pat Suttis. Pat uh, used to be at the University of Texas uh, for Mac Brown's final, uh, was it a year, year and a half, Pat, about? Uh, uh, bar- barely, oh, not even a year. Okay, there you go. Yep. Gotcha. Uh, uh, along with Mike Roach as well, uh, who's always a part of this podcast. Thanks for joining us, Pat. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, guys. Obviously, uh, during this time period, <clears throat> we got to do a lot to keep ourselves busy, so I appreciate it. Well, I noticed uh, the, behind you the, uh, the tag, and I don't know if our, our listeners can see it, obviously, but uh, you got the 404 you're sporting in the Atlanta hat. You got a, a, yeah. a Georgia Tech uh, shirt on. and. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, for this uh, segment, what I would ri- really like to do with you, Pat, is, is talk a, a couple of things. One is you've seen a lot of different things now in your time. You started at Alabama, I think, as a student assistant and went from there, ended up at Texas, then over to Arizona State, then back to Auburn, and now you're at Georgia Tech. And from my vantage point, having um, covered Texas recruiting for 20 plus years, I really want to get in. I want to give listeners a sense of what it's like different recruiting at Texas than say an Alabama or an Auburn, or then maybe an Arizona state. Or You, you know what I mean by that? It, because it's, it's so in-state focused compared to, uh, a state, someplace like Arizona State, which just doesn't produce enough prospects. Right, exactly. And at the same time, you've been in a place like Alabama and Auburn where it has a good, strong in-state pull, but you also want to pull nationally. Yeah. You know, and give give listeners that. At, at the same time, uh, reminisce a little bit about your time at Texas yeah, and uh, what you've been doing since. So yeah. um, without further ado, let's let's get it going. What to you defines that difference for recruiting in Texas compared to maybe the other places that you've been and what you can draw from? Yeah, I think obviously when you recruit, um, 
in Texas and you're an in-state school um, with the, the large number of schools and recruits, you can sign your whole 25 class with just the in-state in Texas. Um, it's not that way everywhere. You know, here at Georgia Tech, we want to sign a majority of our kids from, you know, Atlanta and the Georgia area, and there's a lot of recruits. But in Texas, everything's so much bigger, obviously. Um, and then, like, at a school like Arizona State, you know, there's not as many. You want to sign as many in-state always wherever you're at, um, but you have to recruit um, nationally when you're there. When you're at the University of Texas, you don't have to do that. Um, there's plenty of good players in that, in that state. Uh, it's got unbelievable high school ball, uh, unbelievable coaches, the development that they have uh, with the indoor facilities, the strength coaches, everything is, is top notch, uh, very similar to the state of Georgia. Um, obviously, when you're talking about the big states, you got Georgia, Florida, Texas, and California, and, and Louisiana. But, you know, those uh, in Texas, everything is the development is, is, is so huge. So you really don't have to step outside that state, especially when you're in state. Yeah, I, I think that I think that everybody gets that. The the next question for you though is, how do you manage? Because every it, it's not just like so many places. Alabama, where you've been, they want ten to fifteen. Uh, they want the ten to fifteen best in the state. Yeah. But then they also want the ten to fifteen best they can find from elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Whereas at Texas the fan base almost wants all 25 from Texas. Correct. And how, obviously that, that's not what's best for the program, right? Yeah. Historically, yes. even though um, we know that that may be what people want. So, so how do you end up choosing a receiver from New Orleans over the receiver from Dallas or Houston? And is it just straight up, you try to look at, I mean, this is all of it, or is it all all ball, or is it part yeah, politics? I mean, what, no, what, there's what there's some you know, there's always some politics involved, but I think when you you really have to trust your board and your evaluation. So when you rank your guys on the guys on the board, anytime you get new info, you know, whether it's spring ball practice, whatever, you're always re-ranking your boards. I mean, that happens all the time. So I think uh, the same thing in the NFL draft. When you guys got when you have two guys that are very comparable. And let's say one guy's from New Orleans and one guy's from Austin or Dallas, whatever. And they're, they're comparable. they got the same traits, the same body types, all that kind of stuff. You would rather take the in-state kid, obviously, right? But if, you, but if you're going off your board and, and let's say let's, you talked about a receiver. So let's say, you know, the top five um, on your board are from out of state. And you want to go after those guys. Those, those are the five guys you think are elite. So you just don't, you don't want to take a Texas kid just to take a Texas kid. But again, if they're, they're comparable, um, you would rather always take the in-state kid no matter where you're at. In your, in your opinion, um, and this is something you and I have talked about over the years, how many true blue chip guys are in a state like Texas on an annual basis? Like guys that you really don't give me this. Oh, he's a four star. Like, yeah. How many true blue chip guys that everybody and their brother wants? Are yeah, there? Uh, I would say Texas obviously is, is different because there's so many <clears throat> more players, but I would say probably 25 to 30 guys that are just no-brainers to play for anybody uh, in the country. I would say that's probably a, a good number. Um, gotcha. Every, every year's different, obviously, but I would say that's a, that's a solid number. And so I, I would suggest probably – the same or more in a state like Florida, yep. 
Georgia? Is it is it is it maybe five fewer? What what is that number? Uh, it's it's probably it's probably very similar. Uh, maybe okay. five fewer, but I'd say you know the state of Georgia is it's got less people, obviously, but um, yeah, less less know. total, but same caliber. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yep. Yeah, I got you. And then, but what about like in, in Arizona? Arizona, you're probably looking at five or six guys, you know, maybe in a year. So when we were there, we recruited Texas hard, obviously, in Louisiana and California. Um, but, yeah, I'd say five to six, um, you know, in a good year. Was And, and when you were at Auburn, um, just thinking this through and talking this through, because it does, I'm going to try to tie this back to Texas. When you were at Auburn, Auburn wasn't just Alabama. It also had – it reached real heavily into Georgia. Uh, particularly South Georgia and Atlanta, and then even over into uh, uh, Mississippi, s- Southern Mississippi, into New Orleans, that kind of area down along I-10, right? I mean, yeah. and all you the always, way over to Jackson. You, you always want to win your state in recruiting, obviously. And then um, because of where Auburn's located, you know, they're, they're as close to Georgia as they are in Alabama. So <clears throat> they recruit, you know, Georgia heavily and then Mississippi and the surrounding states. So, um uh, again, wherever you're located, you want to win your state. But depending on where you are, what is that number? Is it six? Is it ten? Whatever. So you have to be uh, national. Um, luckily, here at Georgia Tech, there's so many kids in in the in the four four area and in the Georgia area. <clears throat> but we still recruit nationally. We still recruit Texas hard. Uh, we got two coaches on the staff that are have tremendous Texas ties. So uh, we recruit Texas hard as well. Who are those two? Just Tashar Choice, you know, uh, played at played for the Cowboys, worked for North Texas. Uh, yep. Kerry Dixon, who's uh, from the Houston area, played for Baylor. You know, so those are our two main guys in Texas, and they're over there a lot. And we've offered a lot of kids for this class. We signed Paula from Channel View last year uh, to come play O-line for us, which we're excited about that. So uh, we will continue to recruit the state of Texas hard here at Georgia Tech. Gotcha. I was going to say, um, you guys have hit Texas actually really hard. And um, we we're talking before we started recording about the brand, uh, you know, the branding you guys have done and, and kind of the aggressive nature of the way it's changed. Georgia Tech was so like the previous regime, it was triple option and we didn't hear a lot from them in Texas. Um, what what was the plan kind of when you guys came in to, to change the perception of Georgia Tech? Well, the first thing is to show us throwing the ball. So we did that uh, the first spring practice when we got there in the spring game. But this is, the main thing was a lot of people outside the city didn't even know Georgia Tech was in Atlanta. They didn't know it was right in the heart of Atlanta. Um, so that was the first thing that had changed, and that's why we got the 4-4 takeover, 4-4 the culture, just embracing the city of Atlanta and what it can bring. And being over at Texas, um, you know, Dallas is very similar to the – to the city of Atlanta. They're obviously different, but uh, just from me being over there and being through Dallas and, and, and growing up in Atlanta, I see the comparables. Even Austin is very similar to, to Atlanta. So that's why, um, especially when we're going over there in Dallas and Houston, recruiting those city kids, hey, you come play in an unbelievable city here in, in Atlanta. Um, but that was the main thing we had to change is the perception of the offense, one. Um, and then two is um, where we're located. We're in the city, but we're also, also you know, we also have a, college campus atmosphere so uh, best of both worlds you know pat the the question i would um push to you too is uh, as the you know you were on the forefront really of this whole uh movement towards uh 
director of operations, director of evaluations, director of yep. recruiting. When, when I first got into this, it literally, there was a recruiting director or, you know, recruiting coordinator mm-hmm. that may be off staff. They're yeah. not on field. And maybe he had one person working for him and it was a person that sent out mail. It wasn't even anybody that was actually evaluating. You were, while at Alabama, I think you were at the very precipice of this changing of the guard, so to speak, from taking that, Not I don't want to say taking the power out of the the on-field assistant's hands because I still think they have a role. But y'all really uh, set it up such that there was a department of evaluation, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And... And because of that, reap the fruits of, the, of, the, of that it, with so many draft picks coming out of Alabama in those years. Explain how that even came about for people that are unfamiliar with that and, and how that worked. Yeah, so our head coach here at Georgia Tech, Coach uh, Jeff Collins, he, I actually worked under him in Alabama. He was the director of player personnel at Georgia Tech in 2006 and was one of the first. He's really the godfather of the, the, uh, the position. Nick saw what he was doing at Georgia Tech, hired him at Alabama in his first year in 2007, and I worked under him. And Nick had always had extensive evaluation process, wanted to just give somebody that role. Um, so that's kind of where it started. I learned a lot from Jeff. I got another guy named Ed Manowitz came in. He was at Central Florida. Nick hired him. He did an unbelievable job at Alabama. And then the tree of people, the student workers we had there, myself from there just grew. Uh, when I left and went to Texas, just people that worked under me now that are in the in the profession. This thing has become so NFL-like in the fact that when you're recruiting high school kids, that's like their college process, right? That's like their draft, right? Now you've got the portal. Well, that's like our free agency. Free agency. So this we've got the same exact process. We don't have to deal with salaries, which is which is good. But um, you know, we have the same exact process, except. If we do it right, we can sign 25 first-round picks versus they can only sign, you know, one in a year. So um, that's kind of where it started, and really that's why I came back to work for, for Coach Collins here is because, I, you know, that was my first kind of taste of this side of the business. The personnel side uh, was working under him and, and working for Coach Saban. Who was, the, who was the one guy you found as a little video guy back in your college dorm that you're most proud of, like when you when you're just starting out, not not now that you've seen them all, right? Yeah. You're talking Who's about a, a player. Yeah. Um, you know, the, when we first uh, got to Alabama, there was a player called Dante Hightower, who still oh, yeah. Patriots. Pretty he good. Was a three-star guy, um, and me and the director of personnel at the time watching this guy. He's six four, two hundred thirty pounds. He's in Tennessee, and nobody knows about the kid. Um, so that was a huge uh, one of the first ones that I remember that it was not a highly recruited kid uh, and now is still playing the league for the Patriots and doing an unbelievable job. Yeah, he's a tremendous player. He's from Columbia, Tennessee, which yeah. is it, it, when you talk about a dot on a map, it's a dot on a map. So, exactly. so that's, nobody that's was going there. And luckily, Coach Saban and our staff found him. So, yeah, that's actually, it's not too far from Tuscaloosa. It can't be more than a two and a half, three hour drive. So, yeah, yeah, Mike, did you have close. a question? Yeah, um, obviously, you know, we're dealing with a lot here with the, this pandemic and it's kind of changed the business you're in, which is face-to-face meetings and relationships and things like that. How have you guys kind of had to adapt your, your recruiting process? Is there anything um, 
creative virtual visits, that kind of thing you're doing? And, and you know, what are you guys doing to get through it? Yeah, well, we, right when this thing happened, um, Coach Collins wanted, wanted the coaching staff to really treat this like our spring eval period. So each one of our coaches um, is, is on the virtual road uh, where they're calling, you know, multiple coaches a day, getting the list. Obviously, you can't go see them in person, see them, whatever. But uh, that's kind of where we started at was just treating this as our spring eval period and just starting it earlier. You know, normally you can only start in April 15th, so we started right off the bat. Uh, when we were able to. And then, you know, we also do the virtual visits as well, more about meeting our people uh, than seeing the actual building and stuff. Cause we've got the, you know, we've got our video tours and all that kind of stuff, but it's just, you know, meeting our strength coach, meeting our academic advisor, all that kind of stuff. So we've done that. And then just really, it's just ramped up. And we, we've done you know, the group FaceTimes and all that kind of stuff, but it's just ramped up. Now these kids are getting, you know, hundred texts a day, they're getting a hundred calls, FaceTimes, all that kind of stuff. So you, you really gotta, um, you know, not necessarily be creative, but knowing that these guys are getting blown up and figuring out the right times to hit them up and the right, you know, avenue, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or whatever it is to, um, you know, hit them up where they're going to respond to you. Uh, you playing a lot of video games with kids? Oh yeah. Call of Duty, <laughs> Warzone, uh, I'm terrible. Um, I get my, my brother's is a big time gamer, so I'll get him on and I'll get the recruits to play with us. And, uh, <laughs> with, with my brother playing, we're a lot better. So, <laughs> so are you the, are you the shooter? Or are you the, the scout or what are you? I'm the, I'm the uh, hide in the bush guy. And just <laughs> and, uh, I'm the guy that no one wants to play with, but, uh, that's, uh, my role is not to get killed. Hey, so Pat, before we let you go here, we appreciate you coming and joining us, obviously, but there, there is the story of you at Texas and, and I, you and I would talk from time to time. And, um, I remember the day or the week that, that Mac Brown got let go. You obviously were, were there and, and part of that uh, situation, but you guys had somebody on campus that ended up being making the NFL all decade team. I don't know if you remember who that was right now. Do you remember who that was? No. Tyreek Hill. Just oh, made no. <laughs> so I tell, the story, I, tell, I tell the Tyreek Hill story of him on the OV, like to everybody uh, I come across, because it's an unbelievable story, the fact that we thought we were getting him. And I tell everybody we would have got him, which I, I firmly believe that, and now to see what he's doing in the league. But uh, unbelievable story. <laughs> Uh, I totally forgot about that. That could, you could have actually, uh, he, he would have made a difference on offense, I think, for somebody. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. And then, you know, just, um, uh, you know, I think just the, the way that kid was built um, and obviously the speed, we, we knew that he was going to be a special player. And not many people realize Tony Brown was on the cusp of changing his mind at the yep. last second as well, right? The Beaumont Westbrook yep. uh, corner. Yeah, that Tony, Brown, going Tony Brown pretty much lived at the facility, so uh, that would not have been a shock. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, my last question for you, Pat, before we get out of here is uh, just kind of, you know, you mentioned you guys have been hitting Texas hard. What's the pitch um, for y'all to, uh, to a kid from Dallas or a kid from Houston? What's the baseline, uh, some of the things you like to highlight um, for them? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is is the culture we have here. Um, we're in a developmental program. 
know, these kids want to hear how you're going to develop them for the next level, right? Um, so that's what we mainly talk about. But then also, you've got this degree that you get from Georgia Tech, and uh, we're a top five public institution. So when you're done playing ball, you're set. I mean, we've got guys that that figured out fast that they were not going to play at the next level that are seniors that are getting six-figure jobs without even graduating. So um, that, that's the main selling point. And then, again, if they're coming from, you know, Dallas or Austin or, or Houston, is hey, we've got that big city atmosphere here. We've got a college campus. It's very similar to where you guys are from. Come here and play, and uh, you'll enjoy the experience. All right. Pat, we, we appreciate you, and uh, I think uh, Texas fans appreciate the, the job you did at, at, at Texas as well, and good luck to you at, uh, and Coach Collins at Georgia Tech. No, I appreciate it. Definitely enjoying my time there and, and definitely enjoying being home here in Atlanta. So thank you guys. All right. And that was a great interview with Patrick Suttis. It, it really gave us some insight into uh, into the way they, they're doing football down there at Georgia Tech and, and kind of the things that they've been doing rebuilding that program. All right, let's get back into recruiting news, Nick. Um, uh, top schools were dropped this week. This was the week to drop your top schools list, it seemed like. Um, and it starts with two guys that Texas offered recently, and that's always a great sign when you offer recently and, and are included in the top schools. Um, Philip Riley from, from Valrico, Florida, Bloomingdale, a corner, uh, released his top seven over the weekend, and Texas made that cut. And then Aaron Willis, the linebacker I talked about uh, last week um, from uh, Baltimore, uh, released his uh, top schools, and, and Texas made that final group as well. Um, so... Obviously, that's encouraging. If if you know things clear up and, and guys can go take visits, uh, you know Texas might have a shot with a couple of those guys. Yeah, like we said in previous podcasts, this might be more of a regional class with the uh, coronavirus shutdown, just because kids can't get out to certain schools that they might want to get out to, and they might not even be able to take visits until you know, maybe October or November. That's that's still something that's waited to be seen. But um, if, if they can reopen the school and reopen visits and get some of these guys from out-of-state schools on campus, uh, this could be a huge out-of-state class. But uh, it's all just going to depend on, you know, what happens in the outside world. All right. And then we had Denzel Burke, the athlete from Scottsdale Saguaro, had uh, 10, top 10 Texas was in. I think Texas is sneaky in that race as well, but that's going to depend on a visit. Um, otherwise, it seems like maybe those Pacific Northwest schools, Oregon and Washington, are are in that mix. And then some Texas kids cut their list down. Uh, J.D. Coffey, the kid at L Safety, to a top six, Texas made it along with Washington, Oregon, Baylor, LSU, and Michigan. Uh, Jordan Thomas cut his top two schools down to Texas and A&M. Um, we both have crystal balls in for Texas there, and, and I really like where, where Texas stands in that race. Uh, and then Ishmael Ibrahim, the top corner in the state of Texas, uh, cut his list to a top 10 earlier this week. Uh, Texas made that list, um, and, I, and I really think Texas is at the front of that list along with LSU. Yeah, I like all three of these kids, and I'll start with Jordan Thomas. Port Arthur Memorial is starting to become kind of a school that and Texas fans should be keeping an eye on. There's a number of offers on that team right now, and they have a week one game against Lancaster that I think will be one of the best week one games we see in the state of Texas. Hopefully we'll be able to see it. Uh, and then going to Ishmael Ibrahim, uh, I was able to see him on the 7-on-7 seven seven circuit. That was the first time I was able to see him um, in, in person, and he's just impressive in coverage. Uh, I really think he's going to grow into a great player at the next level. And honestly, the same exact thing with J.D. Coffey. He, he plays very well at the safety position, uh, and I'm curious to see where he takes his top six from here. 
Yep, and then uh, the big news uh, also this week, uh, Jalen Milrow, the Texas quarterback commit, um, was named to the Under Armour All-American game uh, and will play in the annual All-Star game in Orlando. Um, also, it should be noted, and I don't know how this hasn't got out yet onto our board, but uh, he did. Jalen did do a, an interview with Hank South at our Alabama site and did mention that he was – you know, still talking to Coach Saban and, and that, you know, Alabama was still keeping in contact with him. But, um, you know, at this point, I think that uh, talking to Jalen, uh, he's been very clear that he's locked in with Texas and um, really only honoring those relationships he had with schools before he talked to Texas and still in contact with those coaches. Uh, Nick, you had some basketball news for us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's 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 starting to get pretty heated up on the basketball recruiting end of things. Um, Texas only has one scholarship spot open right now, but they're going after two guys. Uh, the first one, Donovan Williams, uh, three-star guard out of Lincoln, Nebraska. He'll be committing on Monday. He, he trimmed his top three schools down to Texas, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State. Uh, I think Oklahoma State had a, a, a good amount of um, – uh, positivity in early in the week. I think they uh, held the lead in the recruitment early, and then Kansas State has kind of sworn uh, swung back into things later this week. Uh, we'll see how it gets on uh, on Monday. Uh, but he's he's a he's a good guard. He's a good combo guard. Uh, he's coming off of an ACL injury early in his senior season. He was he had to come back uh, later towards the end of the year and still led the state of Nebraska in scoring with twenty eight point four points per game. Uh, I, I like him a lot. And then on the other side of things, Greg Brown the uh, third, the Austin native. Um, he'll be committing on April 24th, so that's something we'll get into in later podcasts. But it's definitely heating up on the basketball end of things as uh, they look to fill that one scholarship spot. All right. Well, for you basketball fans, don't ever say we don't cover basketball for you. <laughs> uh, coming up next, we're going to have an interview with uh, Texas commit Derek Harris uh, that I did earlier this week. Uh, just talk to him, catch up with him, and see what he's doing during the quarantine. So we hope you guys uh, enjoy that. And now I'm joined by uh, Texas Commit and New Caney linebacker Derek Harris. Derek, thanks for joining the show. Yes, sir. Uh, so first off, just, I mean, how's the quarantine going for you, man? What, uh, what are you doing to get through it? Any new video games, any uh, new shows you're watching, anything like that? Uh, so I bought – I have my PlayStation 4. I just bought my PSN card like a couple weeks ago, so I've been playing Madden, Madden 2K. Then watch finish All American. That's what something I had to been doing. Then I was going to get into a new show. Um, I watched Free Willy one and two. I got to finish the third one on Hulu. And um, I think I'm going to get to the Tiger show that everyone's been watching. Oh yeah. Uh, but other than that, just doing school work. Just got off a of Zoom meeting with my football team. Okay. Um. So you said uh, you said you're playing Madden and 2K. Um, are you playing? Uh, I know the like some of the coaches and like uh, Brian Carrington are playing with some of the recruits. Have you handed out any L's to uh, to Brian Carrington? Uh, no, Brian has a Matt has a um, Xbox and have a PlayStation Four. So uh, okay. So we have really um, played. Um, I'm trying to get to play Terrence, but he's been ducking some smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard Brian's been been getting some L's from a lot of kids. Either the kids are lying to me, or Brian's or or, or Brian's really getting beat bad. Um, you said All American. That's a show I've heard from a couple of people. Is that worth watching? Yeah, it's pretty good. The football side is might be a little rough because you know some of them never really play football, but it's really interesting. It's a little corny. 
the football. Yeah, a little corny. The football, a little corny, but the the plot, the everything other than the football side is pretty good. Well, I've seen on your Instagram you've been you've certainly been keeping in shape. Uh, you're actually working out with former Texas great uh, Paul Boyette um, quite a bit. Uh, tell me about your relationship with him, how that came about, and kind of uh, how how he's helped you out. Yeah, I met him. I think it was my freshman year before I broke my ankle. So I met him during that time. Then we just been working ever since then. Since I moved from wide receiver to linebacker, we've been working every every day. Ever since then, our relationship got even better. And he tells me about Texas because I asked him one day, can I have all your Texas stuff? And he said, no, why would I give you my stuff when you're going to get a whole bunch of other stuff? <laughs> That's a good point. What kind of uh, workout stuff does he put you through? Uh, we do a whole bunch of like mo- mobility and agility work. Then we do some type of position skill work. It depends on what we're doing. So like I go to him every day. And so it just de- depends on what he wants me to work on, like get, getting, getting looser with my hips and everything. Um, as far as, uh, you know, your, your football team, you guys got a new head coach, Travis Reeve from, from Quero, who won a state title with Jordan Whittington. It kind of happened right about the time this quarantine went into effect. How's that relationship been going, just building with him and getting to know him over Zoom and, and things like that? Yeah, so uh, we got him like three weeks before the quarantine actually happened. So we got to know him more than we got to know the offensive, the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. We got them like a week before quarantine happened. And so those are pretty good. But we haven't met, like, all our position coaches, we haven't met them face-to-face at all. We've just been getting Zoom meetings, just seeing them on Twitter. So, like, all the coaches that we have right now, we haven't met, like, 80% of the coaches that we have right now. You guys were a team that really impressed me last year. And, and Derek, you know that I, I ran my mouth quite a bit about New Caney going into the playoffs. Um, and, and I told you. Guy, I've put, I've put my name on the line here. I'm, I'm, I'm predicting New Caney to state. Uh, you guys couldn't quite – I mean, you had a really tough road having a uh, first-round match against Richmond Foster. How good do you feel coming back this year, you know, provided we have a football season and everything, uh, about your team? Yeah, we feel pretty good. Um, some people might think we might fall off because we have a new coach and we lost, like, 30-something seniors. But I think we'll be, we'll be right back to where we're great. It might take us a little bit longer, but we'll still be up there. Um, let me let me ask you about your, your position coach recruiting you at Texas. So you've gone through, uh, obviously you committed under the old uh, old coaching staff in Coach Orlando. Uh, they had a coaching change, and now, now a new coaching staff's in there. First of all, how was it going through that coaching change? And I think the guy we know least about on the staff is Coleman Hutzler. What, you're a linebacker. Can you tell us what, uh, what we should know about Coleman Hutzler and what you like about him? Uh, he just very – interactive with you he'll call you like I just got I was FaceTime him yesterday and last week and he just talked about talked about his life and stuff then he showed me his kids his wife then his new house that he just moved in and so he's just very personal and wants to get to know you and it's been very good even though the coaching changed um it was pretty good going to the coaching change because once I got to meet him everything like going down there junior day it was pretty good because it was just me him and Terrence and us three just really bonded together. And so we all have a group chat. Then us and Coach Herman, Coach Herman, 
me and Terrence have a group chat. And so it was just pretty good. Everything just went very smoothly. Uh, you mentioned Terrence. It's Terrence Cooks of, of Shadow Creek, uh, another big linebacker target for Texas. I talked to Jalen Milrow on this show last week. He said that he's in charge of recruiting offensive guys and you're in charge of recruiting defensive guys uh, in the class. How are things going with Terrence? I, I, I know the two of you struck up a, a really strong friendship after that junior day. Yeah, it's been good, very good. I just texted him earlier today. I sent him a picture of me and him. And the Texas pitch, I said, um, come be great. And so that's pretty good. Then I'm trying to get more people. I'm trying to hook up people on the offensive side, too. So don't just think I'm going for defense. I'm going for everybody. <laughs> oh, well, Jalen said the other way. So um, obviously this isn't the way you probably intended to, sp to spend your last spring in high school uh, before your, you know, before, uh, before your senior season. Um what you know? How how are you adjusting to to being at home every day? And um, you know, I mean, how how do you look at it? Jalen kind of came off as like a it's a blessing. I get to spend some time with my family, that kind of thing. Is that is that the same way you're looking at it? Yeah, because my family know once I go down to Austin, I'm not coming back. <laughs> Cause I already told them I was moving down there and everything, and it's just very good because we get to spend time with family. Like my parents, we normally don't be home. We all we'll always be out and about, but we're at home every day 24 7 out we all have connections we should like me and my mom joke around like some days she don't want to be talking to me the other <laughs> days i don't want to talk to her so it's just it's pretty good but you have to get used to it like i'm used to staying at home all the time but staying at home all day is just pretty rough but you have to make the best of it yeah um so you're pretty uh, you you seem pretty locked into your commitment are, are schools still trying to contact you other schools yeah stanford um smu lsu been texting me and that's pretty much it and what's your what's your response to those schools because obviously you don't want to be rude but i mean how 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 do you deal with that as a committed prospect uh they don't really push anything they just talk to me like regular regular stuff regular day stuff just asking me how am i doing how my family doing and it's just really nothing they're not really pressuring me or anything it's really just small talk as of right now uh, one of the more interesting things I found out about you when we talked to you after junior day is that you are a competitive swimmer as well. Um, how long have you been swimming? And just kind of tell the, the people out there about uh, your history with uh, with the pool. Yeah, I've been swimming ever since I was six or seven. And so last season was my last season of swimming. I was pretty happy about that because I did not like like waking up around 530 in the morning just to be in the cold pool, then go to school, then do football stuff. and so. But swimming's been pretty good. It helps me get be very much flexible and lifting myself out and helps me with endurance. So it's pretty good. I'm glad my mom put me into it. It's been a long – we just talked about kind of the guys you're working on. It's been a long time since Texas has got a commit um, in this 2021 class. Uh, when do you – can you tell the people out there, is there is, do you, when do you think the next one might come? Hopefully pretty soon. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks or, or something, because it's pretty, pretty dead. But I think the next one will come probably in the summer. At, probably after all this dies down, then we'll probably see something shake. So hopefully something pretty soon. Um, I know you've dealt mostly with Coach Hutzler. Um, I'm assuming you've spent some time talking to Coach Ash since he will be the defensive coordinator. Um, what are your impressions of him and what do you like about him? And, and what have they kind of told you about how you would fit into their defense? 
Uh, Coach Ash is pretty good too. He's um very family oriented. Likes to get to know you. Wants to know what you're about. He texted me two days ago about being a Longhorn, and so all they've been telling me is like something about Joseph being like how Joseph Asai is playing DN some because that's what I'm moving to DN DN outside linebacker this year. But I'll be playing more of my hand in the dirt this year. So they're just saying something like Joseph Asai and just coming here, not being being able to run. That's what they like, linebackers that are able to run. Okay. Um, I guess my last question we uh, we asked, I, I guess maybe swimming would be the answer, but I'm going to ask you if you have anything else. Jalen told us he's a, a gifted singer. A, have you ever heard him sing? And B, no, I have not. Okay, you're gonna have to get on him on that because he said he can mm-hmm. sing. I tried to get him to do it on the show, and he wouldn't. So, B, are there any hidden talents, hobbies, anything like that you have off the field that that we may not know about? Uh, I like to sleep a lot. That's probably a hidden talent. <laughs> but no, not that I think of. I don't think I have any hidden talents. That just swimming, and that's pretty much it. All right. Well, man, I appreciate you for joining the show. I hope you're staying safe. Best wishes to you and your family, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. And that was our interview with uh, new Katy linebacker and Texas commit Derek Harris. Hope you guys enjoyed that look into into Derek. Uh, Our next segment here, we're going to get into the mailbag and answer some questions. As always, we we solicit these questions on the Horns 24-7 message board, um, so you can uh, drop them there whenever I put the thread up. Uh, let's get right into it. From Longhorn 1998, who will be the next three commitments for Texas? That's a really good question. I I hate doing these questions because, and I've said it multiple times, but um, I, I I appreciate that the, you guys have tried to get me to do the next five a bunch, and I've declined, so now you've trimmed them down to three um, in an effort to trick me. And so I'm going to try to oblige you. I'm going to – this is uh, – this is me. This is uh, based off the intel I know, but nothing imminent. I'm going to guess that the top three guys that I could see maybe doing it are um, I still like Landon King uh, to maybe make a decision and, and pick Texas. I still like uh, I like Jaden Williams, the, the new um, uh, the new offer out of South Oak Cliff we talked about earlier. And I'm trying to think who the third guy would be. Um, it's so hard because the, the 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 timelines of everybody's recruitment is just kind of messed up right now. This is a difficult question. <laughs> right, right. It's just it's literally throwing darts at a board um, and guessing who. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna give you those two, Jaden Williams and Landon King. Yeah, I, I, I'll have to agree. I think we kind of align on both of those. Uh, both of those recruits right now. Again, the timelines are just super messed up for a lot of recruits right now. And uh, you know what? I'll throw Jonathan yeah, Brooks in there that. just because I feel like he could go at any solid time. One. Um, I, I guess Jordan Thomas, but he, he'll probably be later into the into the summer. Um, I don't know. It's just difficult right now. Well, he's talking oh, about doing it go. at the <laughs> end of the season. <laughs> okay, I apologize about that. Had a little technical difficulty, so if there's a little skip there, that's why. Uh, back into the mailbag. Uh, question from Handy1182 says, What do you love about recruiting? And uh, this is something I was really thinking about today. I think there's there's really two sides to this argument. Um, 
or two sides to this answer, I guess. Uh, I really love the strategy involved in it. I've always been like a, I've always been a fan of player acquisition, whether it be through uh, the NFL draft or or recruiting. I just the way to build a team, I think, is a fascinating uh, exercise, and so I, I've always really loved that. But um, you know what I've really come to love about recruiting is. Um, you know, we we get to a spot in our jobs where we are a little bit influential. Like we talk to guys on on college staffs, we can pass guys along. And you know, this week I was able to, you know, over the last month I was I was actually I was able to to get a kid, a couple kids I really like who were um, kind of off the map, totally onto the map, and they've since picked up huge offers. And um, you know, those kids coming back and just saying, hey, thanks. We appreciate this, um, and it's not. I, I, I want to make it clear: it's nothing I do other than, you know, just getting their name to them. It's their talent. It's it's all those types of things. But being able to help those kids out of their situations, knowing they're going to have options to go to college um, where they might not typically. That to me is the most rewarding thing about about recruiting. Yeah, and you've obviously been in this business a lot longer than I have. I'm, I'm coming up on nine months full time uh, in recruiting, but you know what I've liked about it so far is just how in depth it is from from top to bottom. Whether it be from uh, a recruiting evaluation staff, you know, recruiting kids from across the country, or uh, from the kid, you know, trying to evaluate what schools uh, they want to go to, and kind of getting into the minds of some of these kids and how they think, and you know, try to pick up on trends with some of these kids. It can sometimes be a little difficult. But, uh, you know, I always have a good time building relationships with with these recruits. And uh, I'm sure you do as well, as well as uh, with coaching staffs across the country. And it's rewarding for sure. And there's always something to talk about. And that's, I think that's definitely been proven uh, over the last two or three weeks. I think and me personally, I was curious if we would, you know, run out of content by now. But it's cooking up. You know, this is we've had a huge content week this week. So recruiting never sleeps. And that's definitely being proven right now. And, you know, that's something I really love about it. Yeah, it's it's twenty four hour nature is both um, aggravating and awesome at the same yeah. time. Uh, like there are there are definitely times I just like make a stop. I want to go to sleep. <laughs> I want to put my phone down and just live life. But keeps you on your toes. Um, keeps you young. You know. <laughs> oh, most most definitely. Uh, next question from Hookem two thirty says, uh, which of our target, uh, which of the targets are looking to be uh, early enrollees, and does COVID nineteen change that? Um, out of the commits that were, I know Jalen Milrow is. I know that Derek Harris was uh, or is. Um, I know Hayden Connor is. Uh, I think Billy Bowman is. Um, and, um, you know, there's there's bound to be a few targets as well. Um, I think this was going to be a big class. And I think that those guys are still pretty much on pace. Talking to Derek the other day, he, you know, he mentioned it in the interview we did. Um, and Jalen as well, you know, they're working on summer classes to make sure they get their credits right and everything. And um, so I think everything's still on target for that. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure about targets uh, or commits uh, looking to be early enrollees, but something I kind of thought about earlier this week, if the football season gets pushed back into the spring, which is something that's definitely in a possibility right now, you know, we could see early enrollees getting significant practice time. Obviously, they wouldn't be able to play in the spring, but uh, I wonder if we'd be able, if they would allow early enrollees. And if they would, the NCAA would, then those teams would be able to take some pretty significant reps in practice during a, a full action season. So that's going to be interesting. It's all going to be interesting because I think because SAT and ACT dates were canceled for this 2020 class, there's going to be some kids who get a waiver for not taking 
the SAT or ACT that going to get into college. That's going to be wild. <laughs> um, so it's going to be weird all the way around. Um, our next question from Hook'em Bloodstein: uh, How is everyone else getting commits in Texas? Is not uh, Trey. Uh, this is Trey. I wouldn't say. Um, Everybody's getting commits. I would say a few schools that are traditional powers are getting their commits. Um, I mean, it's really simple. Like Texas has a brand new staff that nobody really knows. Nobody's seen anything from them. They didn't get their chance to show it in spring ball. So naturally, people are going to be skeptical. Yeah, I think it's just the kind of the nature of the game right now. I don't think Texas is doing anything that other schools aren't or the other way around. It's just kind of how things are going right now. Um, you know, we could see one in the next month, I guess. I'm not sitting here saying bet on it, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't see any concern there. Uh, next from China Doll 10, who has the best stories in the recruiting industry and can you share one? Um, <laughs> let me think. I'm trying to think of a good one that I can share. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Some safe for work ones. <laughs> I feel like if you're asking me who has the best stories, it's the guys that have been around forever. Uh, the Jason Howells of the world, uh, the Barton Simmons of the world. Uh, some of those guys, Brandon Hoffman, our Northwest guy, can literally like if you bring up a story about anybody born on the West Coast or b- just bring up the name, Brandon Hoffman will tell you the story associated with them. Um, I think we were making a joke during All American Bowl weekend about how he knew every Samoan to ever go through the West Coast. <laughs> he does, and he also um, I I always make fun of him because the answer to every question with him is Zach Hurts, like. Um, Hey, Brandon, who's the best seven-on-seven player you've ever seen, Zach Ertz? Uh, hey, Brandon, who's the best tight end you've ever seen, Zach Ertz? Hey, Brandon, uh, who would you vote for president, Zach Ertz? Um, I'm trying to think of something. You know, I do that behind the scenes every year, um, and that has some stories in it for sure. Um I always kind of just fall back to, like, and I've told this on the podcast before when EJ and I were doing it, my favorite one of my favorite recruiting stories of all time is the fact that so it's it's kind of an open secret and kind of something I make fun of a lot and TCU fans don't like it but Gary Patterson is an incredibly negative recruiter at times um, which is fine like that's that's the game I don't ever get mad at negative recruiting because that's the game um, but they get mad that I say it and it's like it is true that's what he does so the like uh, when Charlie Strong took the job at Texas, Taquan Graham had been committed forever. He was l- legitimately pondering switching his commitment to either TCU or Oklahoma. And Oklahoma was the one to really worry about. Like That was the school that everybody was like, yo, if he goes to Oklahoma he, on a visit, he's going to flip his commitment. Um, he went to TCU the week before he was supposed to go to Oklahoma. Gary Negative recruited him so hard that he decided he was done with the recruiting process and just shut everything down and decided not to take a trip to Oklahoma. <laughs> that's hilarious. I've never heard that one. <laughs> that's my favorite story. Um, I would also say the other one involving Gary is way more not safe for work. Um, so I can't, I can't tell it, but uh, uh, yeah, it's um, he, he's an interesting, and by the way, this is going to undoubtedly get out and get to TCU people. I think Gary Patterson is a baller-ass coach. I don't hate negative recruiting. It is what it is. Uh, I just think it makes for funny stories. Uh, Nick, have you had any – you've come across surely at least something weird or or funny during your time. Let me think on that while I talk about who has the best stories. Um, 
again, I've only been in full-time recruiting for about nine months now, but as far as the best stories that I've heard, they've definitely come from Jason Howell. That's been one. Uh, Mike Craven, uh, he has a couple that have made me laugh. <laughs> uh, our good friend Coach O up in the DFW area, he has a few that are uh, pretty solid. Um, as far as one uh, I can share, I'm trying to think. You want great stories. Get on the 717 seat. Oh, yeah. I can tell you. <laughs> like, the first year that they're really 717, I'm going to stall for you here, Nick. Okay. I'm yeah, go ahead. A little, well, bit, a little bit of another story. Uh, the first year at the 717 really kind of got popping. Like, as far as we realized, like, hey, this select 717 is a thing. It was uh, the 2018 class, and it was that fast 2017 team that had – it was loaded. It had – the receivers were Brennan Eagles, Jalen Waddell, and Tay Barber. Uh, the quarterback was Casey Thompson. Uh, the running back was Tazan Henry. Um, and I think, like, Malcolm Epps played for him. Like, everybody who was anybody in that class played for fast that year. Uh, on defense, they had Jalen Green, Deshaun Jameson, uh, Leon O'Neal, Jordan Moore, who played the other corner? Caden Stearns played with them at times. Like, that was a loaded, loaded team. And we followed them around quite a bit because they had a lot of Texas targets on there. Um, one of my favorite things, we went to New Orleans for the Bootleggers Tournament. And I was with EJ, uh, EJ Holland, my former colleague. We went out one night, he and I, um, just go get something to eat. They had, like, French Quarter Fest going on, so we're walking around the French Quarter. And we walked... Within a square block, like, somebody tried to sell me a mixtape. Uh, somebody got murdered. <laughs> like, there was a dead body on the ground. Right, and, like, police all around. And I was like, oh, that doesn't seem good. And we ran into two fast players walking around. I guess I could say it now. I mean, they're, they're grown men. We ran into Casey Thompson and Isaiah Humphreys, who put safety at fast, for fast. And I was like, what are you guys doing hanging out in the French Quarter at, like, 17 years old? Um, and they, you know, they had just called a cab from their Airbnb or whatever and rolled down there. So um, that was that was one of my favorite trips of all time. Like, there was... It's where I saw Jalen Green erase Terrace Marshall from the field, and I realized, oh, man, Jalen Green's like the best corner in the state. It's where I realized Jalen Waddle was the best receiver in the state um, while everybody was arguing about Brendan Eagles. It was – that was like the year to be really, really involved and fast, and that was the best tournament. That tournament was the best event I've ever covered. I was about to say, that's not the first time I've heard you talk about that New Orleans tournament where y'all went with fast. Sounds like y'all had a good time. Oh, it was the best. It was it was great. Okay, kind of. Think, uh, did you think of anything? Nick? Yeah, I, I kind of thought of two things. It's nothing close to to those, but I had I was at a JUCO game last year. Um, I don't know if I could mention the JUCO just because of the stance of the situation, but um, it was a blowout game from the from the very start. I was there covering a, a Baylor football commit, and um, I believe it was seventy three to fourteen at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And um, it was on a Saturday night. Uh, there was a huge college football game on that night, and I, I can't remember what it was. And I was trying—I think it was Baylor and Oklahoma. And I was trying to get back to watch that. Um, and uh, I was in East Texas, and it's just in the middle of nowhere. And I pulled the recruit aside. I'm like, "Hey, is there any way I'd, I'd be able to talk to you? You know, so I can get out of here?" <laughs> He's like, "Let me talk to my coach." And he goes over. He talks to his coach, and the coach approves it. I fully was not expecting that. 
and he comes over and we end up talking for the entire fourth quarter. <laughs> we we did the interview and uh, after that we just kind of talked, you know, how how his recruitment process has been, his journey uh, through JUCO, and uh, then we just kind of talked about music and sports and other stuff. And I ended up leaving when I would have left anyway at the end of the game. So that's one I kind of look back on as one of my more favorite experiences from last year, just because going into that game, I was not looking forward to doing it, and I came out and it was probably one of my top three experiences I had in 2019. Uh, and then also at All American Bowl. Uh, week this this year um i ran into you know a few of a few recruits um out in san antonio and that was cool just kind of seeing them you know in their natural element and uh, it's definitely something i'm looking forward to i hope i bring another story next year i'm it's i'm hoping to develop that (laughs) yeah i i remember walking uh, i i was texting you but i went down to the team hotel after the alamo bowl running into players like hanging around kind of the bar and they were looking at me. They're like, "You're media." I'm like, "Dude, I don't care. Like, I'm just here to get a drink with somebody. Like, <laughs> do whatever you want. You're you're a 22 year old, 21 year old guy. Like, you can be in a bar. It's okay. <laughs> like, I don't I don't care. So, you'll do it. That'll happen. I I was thinking this year, man. I was like, man, it was a really cool experience having Texas play the Alamo Bowl the same week we were there for the All American Bowl because we got to cross over and do so much stuff. So. Um, hopefully they're on to bigger and better bowls, but I, I wouldn't hate, you know, if they if they have to be in the Alamo Bowl that week. Um, all right. Next question from Orangeblood ATX. Have you heard uh, rumblings of the NCAA pushing back or eliminating the early signing period? Nothing yet, and, I, and my suspicion is they're going to wait until the last possible minute to, to figure that out. Uh, I don't think they want to push it back if they don't have to. Um, so I, but I haven't heard anything. Yeah. And even if they do keep the early signing period, I don't think you'll see many recruits utilizing it. Um, it's just, it's definitely something that's very whiteboard right now, the early signing period. All right. Um, our last question is always from Charles Daniels. He says, uh, he's got a few silly ones for us this week. (laughs) Um, if you could know the absolute and total truth to one Longhorn recruiting question from coach Herman, what question would you ask? I don't say this to be arrogant, but I kind of know a lot of the truths that <laughs> that happen. So it's it's tough to say. Um, you know, there was a situation, and I like I know one end of it. I know one end of the story. I don't know what Coach Herman's end of the story would be. I would want to know what happened in the final hours of the Noah Kane recruitment, if it matches up with everything I've heard. Yeah, that would be an interesting story. Definitely, 100%. Uh, next question, he says, uh, he's related on his father's side to Cedar Hill quarterback Coach Mann. Shout out Coach Mann, one of my favorites. Um, is there anyone you are related to by blood or marriage that we would find interesting? Um, this is going to sound really... This is like really... I'm not, I don't want to say white trash or bad or something. Uh, I'm related to... by. By uh, we're like distant, distant cousins with um, the Von Erics, um, the the wrestling family from Texas. So like Kerry Von Erich, I remember him being around a lot when I was a kid. Um, and I think he so he Nick, I don't know how much you know about the Von Erics, but like in the eighties, they were like the it wrestling group, um, and they they had like terrible things happen to them. Like they all Kerry ended up losing his leg or something ended up killing himself and it did it on our family's property uh, in Canton. Uh, but 
that would be, I guess, my uh, my claim to fame is I'm I'm distant cousins of the Von Erichs. I hope my mom listens to this podcast. I might actually send it to her because she's huge into ancestry and genealogy. So this is like the perfect question. You couldn't have asked a better one for my mom. <laughs> so um, we actually found out about three or four years ago that we're distant relatives of the the Hunt family, the Lamar Hunts. Um, uh, that side of you know the football lore um afc championship is the lamar hunt trophy um lamar hunt was huge in developing the sport of football so uh, i always thought that was something curious about my lineage uh all right our last question from charles if you were arrested with no explanation uh, what would your family and friends assume you had done that's a really easy <laughs> one for me they would assume i tried to overthrow the government <laughs> Yeah, I would assume the same thing with you. Um, man, I don't know. Or that I got, or that I got way too mouthy with a cop. That would probably be mine as well. That'd probably be mine as well. And yeah, that'd probably be mine as well. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So we won't delve too deep into my <laughs> political political views, but Nick gets to hear them unfiltered sometimes, so <laughs> he understands when I say they would think I tried to overthrow the government. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for our questions. Uh, we appreciate everybody for. Uh, for sending those in, and uh, that's going to do it for our show. Nick, do you have anything to add before we get out of here? No, uh, other than Monday, just be looking for that Donovan Williams commitment. Um, I, I think that's it's been an interesting recruitment past couple of weeks, so uh, we'll see how it pans out. All right, we appreciate everybody for listening. As always, you can find the state of recruiting on uh, Apple, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Google Play is now available on Apple. Um, you can find it on Stitcher, any of those podcast platforms. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.